Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Los Angeles friendos, join Going In Raw as we go live on stage with Wrestling With Regrets' Brian Zane September 24th at the Nerdist Showroom in L.A. The link to tickets is in the description. Hey, Rando, Steve here. And Lars. And welcome to Going In Raw. Count out. This is the show where we count things down in the world of wrestling right here at youtube.com forward slash Stephen Larson. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and help us on our road to 182,000 subs. We're a mere 200 and some odd subs 200 away. 200 change, yeah. 200 and change away from reaching that elusive 182,000 mark. There was a 24-hour period when we were at like 200,000 something. That just turned out to be a YouTube glitch. Yeah, so we, but wow. We want these honest numbers. That was such a great time. It was a great period to be alive. The halcyon days of this channel, I dare say. <laughs> the halcyon day. Oh, sorry, day. Um, so, yeah, if we reach 182, when we reach 182,000, we're going to have a live stream to celebrate it with pizza. With pizza. And cake with a giant 182 on it. I prefer pie, honestly. Well, 182 and then K on it. With no both pizza and that, and we're gonna play do games. Okay. Gaming in raw. All right. Today on Countout, though, we're gonna talk about the best wrestlers in the world. PWI Pro Wrestling Illustrated just released uh, their PWI 500. Yeah. Ranking the their top 500 wrestlers in the world. Controversial. Well, I don't think there's any controversy about the number one. Controversy. Well, we'll talk about that. Controversy in the wrestling community. With PWI's 500 magazine. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, we just thought, hey, we'll take the opportunity to count down our 10 best wrestlers in the world. Here's I mean, controversy number one. Why is Roman Reigns number four and Kenny Omega number five? It's because the win-loss record plays a role. Oh, my goodness. And for a stretch there, Roman Reigns won everything. All right. Well, speaking of playing a role, speaking of criteria, Larson. Yeah. What is our criteria? Number one criteria, being good. Yes. So that means in-ring performance. Yes. Promos. Promos. All the tools, all the ingredients, if you will, in being to being a good pro wrestler. Being good. Being good is number one criteria. You have to be good. And obviously, that's a fairly subjective thing, but this is our show, so it's subject to our Criteria. Yes, number two. two. Impact. No. Not GFW. Not my special criteria no. No. for wrestlers in GFW. Yeah, no. Um, this is, this is uh, for example... Uh, no GFW is yeah. people made the list. Uh, 
crossover appeal, potentially. Moving merchandise, putting butts in seats. Right. Draw. Draw. Drawing power. Making an impact not only in the wrestling industry, potentially mainstream culture. If this list was based strictly on impact, John Cena would probably be number one. Yeah, maybe. But he hasn't been wrestling a lot. He's not even on the list. No. Wow. Third criteria, kayfabe. <laughs> so, like, wh- you know, like, who's been written the best? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, win-loss record. One-loss record. Have yeah. they dominated their their promotion, their show, their division? Mm-hmm. To such an extent that they cannot be ignored. There's, there's, uh, there's a couple on here that I think... Kayfabe, well, yeah, number four for sure. Number four, four actually could be number one. Four and six. Uh, four and six. Yeah, six, but six is also is everything. Six is everything. Anyway, so is four. Moving on. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to get started. Here's, yeah. This is very, this is not the Friend Awards. No, this is just, I mean, this is, we're just, we're taking like the same snapshot of time right. as PWI. <laughs> exactly. Just over the last calendar year. We're trying to usurp or the PWI. Last 365 days. We need it, this to be, we should have a special name for this because the GIR, the GIR 10. Fine. Yeah. Um, and also. Can you put some orchestral music in the beginning of the episode? Maybe. There's a lot of wrestlers that we really, really, really like mm-hmm. that unfortunately didn't make the cut. Right. Um. Which is a bummer. If we could, we would do our own 500. Yeah. Just, we just don't have the time to do it. I don't actually We don't know, have the editorial staff. We don't staff. know 500 wrestlers. Okay, we'd probably do at least 25. <laughs> we could do 25 for sure. I mean, the short list I had had like at least 30, I think. Oh, wow. So, right. anyway. All right. So, here we go. Number 10. 10. Zack Sabre Jr. How many belts did Zack Sabre Jr. have at one well, point Well, they called year? him Zacky three belts. He had three belts. So, he had at least three, and he would he wear them all the same time. Pro Wrestling Gorilla Championship, which he's since lost. He had the Rev Pro belt, and then I think the Evolve World Title. Mm, okay, um, I think he still has two of those. Now, Zack Saber Jr. It's it's very interesting. So, like when we we came around kind of late to Zack Saber Jr., we had heard a lot of going into the Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah, we'd heard, we'd heard hurt. We'd heard a lot of good things about him. Yeah, yeah. You dealing with your golden shuffle over there? Yes. Yeah. Um, so. You know, we want, we saw him in the Cruiserweight Classic. You know, when we talk about Zack Sabre Jr., I mean, he, he brings the pain <laughs> with all the stretching he does to people. So <laughs> He does. So, when we when we saw him, so Cruiserweight Classic, yeah, put on a good match. But it wasn't until we saw him work heel at PWG live in person. In February this in year, In February yeah. that we were like, whoa, he's really cool. And then when he moved to New Japan and joined Suzuki Goon, it was kind of like, oh, man, I hope he's not going to get lost in this faction business. But, man, not talk about a standout period for Zack Sabre Jr., working heel, mesmerizing crowd. This is the craziest thing. Mesmerizing crowds with Matt wrestling, with technical wrestling. I've told the story. Yes, wrestling. I've told the story several times. I'm going to tell it again because it, it, it perfectly embodies the brilliance of Zack Sabre Jr. and why we feel he is one of the best wrestlers in the world working today. Yes. Uh, at the G1 special in USA, we were I'm fortunate glad you enough, adopted. We were fortunate Stop enough to be sitting second row for day two. Yeah. Um, so we got to take in his match against Ishii pretty darn close to the ring. Oh, yeah. We were very close. And while he lost that match, there was this one specific instance where he had Ishii in a, a submission hold stretching his body in all sorts of painful-looking ways. Yeah. And Ishii was trying to get to the ropes. Mm-hmm. And you could see the, 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 the strategy that Sabre was employing by the second, by the beat. 
he was analyzing Ishii's position. I mean, you can just see it all in his face. Yeah. Ishii's position, his hand relative to the ropes, his foot relative to Ishii's hands, how he could counter what Ishii was trying to do. And you could see the process, his thought process the entire time, every little thing he was doing. And the thing is, it's not just that he was he knew what moves he was going to do. It was as the character in the ring, yes. he, was de- he was improvising his strategy, which obviously these are you know predetermined. Probably, I imagine they call a lot of stuff in the ring. But his character was processing it. His character mm-hmm. was figuring it mm-hmm. out. Even though this is a predetermined thing, it was fascinating to watch and compelling to watch, and it's all just submission wrestling. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Oh, his match at uh, the the Progress show we went to in Orlando was really good. Too. Yeah, that was really good. That was against uh, Jimmy Havoc. Jimmy Havoc, that's right. Yeah, yeah. bled like pretty quick. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as you said, he has managed to uh, take mat based submission wrestling and turn it into at times when he's working at his peak high drama. Yeah. And for that reason, amongst other reasons, mm-hmm. he's also 10. he's also the second coolest wrestler that uh, pops their collar. I mean, you can't beat Finn Balor. Nobody, yeah. nobody Finn will ever. Finn Balor is literally a uh, uh, cool. Nobody will ever pop their human. collar like Finn Balor. Nobody. But Zacky Three Belts. Yes. He's pretty cool. What if they just changed Finn Balor's name to cool? <laughs> it would fit, right? <laughs> well, he is like the coolest he guy. He is the definition. He is the, exactly. He is the definition of cool. Um, I also like, there's also a comedic moment. I don't know why this sticks out to me, but remember at G1 Special in USA? Yeah. <laughs> When his, his video package started playing without music. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was day one. <laughs> we looked back and we're like, well, there's a nice moment. Oh, I, thought it was, I thought it was cool because I was like, oh, wow, he's got no music. That's <laughs> awesome. They won't, no one does that anymore. And that's that's just, distinctive. And it just comes on late. Yeah, I know. They had some AV trouble. <laughs> I love AV trouble is the best. But although I'm sad that Juice Robinson isn't on this because... Maybe next year. You know what sucks about Juice Robinson? There's a lot. But the, his video package isn't on YouTube. And his video package... Oh, where he's punching people to the beat of a song. You can only watch yeah. that live, apparently, because huh. he's punching people to the beat of a song. Yeah, and it's good. a pretty quick beat. I love that. Yeah, it's good. Uh, number nine. Nine. The glorious Bobby Roode. Now, keep in mind, the next 12 months will be very, very telling about Bobby Roode if he'll end up... Because I feel like Bobby can end up really high on this list or, off or it completely. completely off it and off even the short list, given what we've seen the last two weeks on SmackDown. And by and large, that won't have much to do with actually his talents or ability. It'll just mm-hmm. be how he booked. Kayfabe. Um, Kayfabe. But over this past year, um, since essentially he debuted in NXT to uh, his call-up, yeah. um, he has been one of, if not the best heel in the entire wrestling business. Absolutely. He was able to come in uh, with you know a strong champion in Shinsuke Nakamura and very, very quickly establish himself as heir apparent to that NXT title. He won that title at NXT TakeOver San Antonio. San Antonio. Nine months after he sat ringside. In a match in a match that absolutely made sense for him to beat. It was a really, really well told story yeah. on the part of Bobby Roode. The rematch also really, really well told story about how a guy could beat Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, his promos have been excellent. My only my only bone of contention with the direction of his character, I've mentioned this before, is that when he came in he says he said, I'm gonna take NXT to the next level bring in CEOs to sit down and at the shows. And when we went to NXT Live, I didn't see any CEOs 
uh, sitting there. I thought we should have wore suits to uh, NXT Orlando. Yeah, we, we could have done that. But uh, we, were, we weren't exactly ringside. We were second row. I just kind of feel like they dropped the ball a little bit on, on, on that aspect of his character. Yeah. I had said before he came in that Bobby Roode was, was ready for Maine immediately. Um, I, uh, I, it's, it's obvious that I was correct. However, his path through NXT was one of the strongest we've seen in a while. Um, now that he's on Maine, it remains to be seen. Uh, what they're what they're gonna do with them? Yeah, if it's gonna continue in that manner. If I read a rumor today, I guess from the Dirty Sheets, saying that he's gonna be fighting Dolph and Dolph's last program in the WWE. That is his contract's up in October. Mm-hmm. Dolph's is. Um, so Dolph playing up this heel sort of gimmick thing. It would make sense because he's brought up the the, the fancy robes. Right. Exactly. And, and whatnot. Theme songs. Yeah. yeah exactly. So I guess that would make sense. Um, so, let me ask you something. You brought up Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, I'm just going to say right now, he's not on this list. Right. Why do you think he didn't make it? He made a tremendous impact in NXT. Yeah. It was um, a great, great win-loss record. Yeah. Although, he lost to Smojo once, and then Bobby Roode twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Kayfabe. 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 He lost his NXT title. Yeah. Yeah. Twice. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of also like, I mean, where did he, where did he end up on PWIs? Uh, he's top ten. Oh, is he top ten? Yeah. Okay, yeah, he probably should have been top ten. But uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like uh, some of this list is also what have you done for me lately? <laughs> if we had done this list, I don't know, three months ago. Um, I don't know. I feel like he came into. I mean, he came into SmackDown with like a big. Like a big debut, but he spent... Okay, here's... Okay, this is why. No, I know. Since his call-up, he really hasn't done much. Like, he had a really long feud with Dolph. Yeah. Like, number one, he had a really long time not even wrestling. Yeah, but... And then he had a really long feud with Dolph. Yeah, I mean, a part of that was his feud with Dolph. And that was just, nah. Yeah. Um, And then he fought Jinder at SummerSlam. Maybe he would have made the list. If he would have beat Jinder at SummerSlam... Yeah, he would have made the list. You know, he would have made the list. He would have made the list. If he beats Jinder at Hell in a Cell... He'll make the list we do next year. Maybe he'll make the list we do next year. Yeah. If, if he look, if he beats Jinder at uh, Hell in a Cell, and then he uh, fights AJ at WrestleMania and has like a killer, killer match, mm-hmm. he's a shoe in for this list. Yeah, I can only think of one match off the top of my head. He's had a main that's been really good, and mm-hmm. that's a match against Cena at SmackDown. Yeah, that oh, was yeah a really he was good in match. a feud with Baron. Yeah, none, none of those matches were very good. And yeah, the Cena match was really good, but again, that match was what ten minutes, and three of it was spent on commercials. Mm-hmm. You know, if there was like a if there was a huge pay per view quality match that he had um, on main roster since his call up, then you know that would have stood out. Yes, but he just you know I don't know. It's like they're afraid to like really pull the trigger I on know. him. I know. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, on top of that, like, what heels do you have to work with on SmackDown? You have Baron. You have uh, Mahal. You have Rusev. Mahal. Rusev's been gone. And no. even and even even then, it's Rusev. And it, that's why it makes so much more sense to have Rude come to SmackDown as a heel. Yeah, I know. No, I agree totally. Because he could be the top of the car heel that show really needs. Yeah. Next. Next. Number eight. Eight. Kevin Owens. Uh, okay, so here's the deal. So around this time, oh, yeah, one year ago. Yeah. He won the Universal Championship. Granted. It was kind of handed to him. It, yeah, it was literally handed to him. Um and it wasn't, like, the best Universal Championship run. No, but he had some really good matches against Seth Rollins. He yeah, had, he did. Um, some almost really good matches against AJ Styles recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, he had some really good matches against Chris Jericho. If the first criteria is being good, oh man, Kevin Owens is a shoe in for this list every year. Oh, he's huge because huge. he yeah. is one of the best all-around performers in the entire industry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, where did he land on the PWA list? He was three. Oh wow, okay, yeah, much higher than ours. Um, I think they put a lot more stock into kayfabe than we do. Oh yeah, since yeah. he held the Universal title for the better part of he was also a year. He was also involved in. I mean, it's definitely top three segment of the year, the Festival of Friendship. He had the amazing run with Chris Jericho as best friends. Yeah. And then he turned on Jericho in the Festival of Friendship, got everybody talking. Whenever whenever he is on SmackDown, I am always supremely entertained. Oh, yeah. Just this past week, he uh, entered himself as ref. And it got, I mentioned this to you off camp. I, I get the feeling... I just get the feeling that Kevin Owens books his own segments these days. Could be. I get the feeling that they say, Kevin, what do you want to do this week? Um, and then Kevin lays out a really unique thing to do because he's always involved in, like, unique things to do. He comes out, cuts a promo on Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon comes out there, and he announces a match against his best friend or his former best friend, Sami Zayn, and Aiden English for them to fight. Mm-hmm. Kevin Owens just doesn't just leave. He goes to commentary, hangs out there for a bit, runs down Byron Saxon. Then he decides that he's so hot about this ref situation, he gets in the ring and puts on the ref jersey. Mm-hmm. You know? And then he ends up powerbombing Sami Zayn. That's something that's very creative and yes. very unique, and it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to take credit away from writers. wouldn't surprise me if that was a Kevin Owens idea. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, And he always finds himself in segments and situations like that that yeah. are just interesting. Yeah. Choosing his own ref yeah. last week. Yeah. That feels like either the, whoever's writing Kevin Owens is coming up with the most unique stuff on SmackDown. Or he has, or uh, he has uh, a thing. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. Another thing Kevin Owens is really good at is is making whatever championship he holds oh, yeah. seem important because yeah. he values it so much. Yeah. It's so important to him that it elevates the stock of the title. Yeah. And even I think the story that we're trying to tell with the Universal Championship, I just think it wasn't told all that great. Um, you know, relying on Jericho all the time to win and then trying to find himself. I think they got lost a little bit in there. Um, and then, of course, it was, you know, waylaid by the Goldberg-Lesnar thing. So who knows if Goldberg didn't sign, what road they would have taken. Would I they know. have just jobbed him out to Lesnar? Probably. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Kevin Owens, he's, he's always I, – I, I mentioned this off camera too, and maybe this is reflected in the number eight spot – Sometimes I feel like I take Kevin Owens for granted. I know. You know? Well, I think if his universal title reign was stronger, yeah. he'd been way higher in this Ke- I mean, he's kind of in the, in the Seth Rollins spot. It's just the only, reason Kev- uh, the only reason Seth Rollins really didn't make this is because, for me personally, A, he was injured for a couple months leading into WrestleMania, and B, when he turned face, it just it lost some luster. You know? Like, it just wasn't as effective for me as a heel. Uh, number seven. Seven. The Young Bucks. I don't think anybody on the independent circuit, and I say independent, they're in Ring of Honor, they're in New Japan, but they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Um, has made the kind of crossover impact that these guys have. They have their hot topic deal and New Japan in general, but it's fueled it's 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 fueled by Bullet Club. Yeah, by Bullet Club and and the stands out of Bullet Club is someone that we're gonna talk about later on this list and yeah. the Young Bucks. But these days, you go to any wrestling show, and not only do you see Bullet Club shirts, but you see those Young Bucks shirts. You see them everywhere. Yes. And I think it's at the point where they just, they're just they so well-designed that people want to wear them regardless of what they even mean. The dude at my Hot Topic didn't even know what they were about, but yeah. he was wearing a shirt. Yeah. And so, uh, so and they, always, that. they always deliver the goods in the ring, too. 
they always deliver the goods in the ring. They're, they're, they're showing in the ring. They're showing that you can tell really, really good stories. The matches that have good stories can also be spot fest. Mm-hmm. Um, they had some absolutely classic matchups with Rapongi Vice. Yes. Um, yeah, their trilogy was really good. It was fantastic. Um, I know they've been they've been going all over the place. We've seen matches on the independent circuit, uh, the the elite versus like British Strong Style, for example. They yeah. keep on matching these guys up with all sorts of different opponents, and it's always so much fun. There's always something buzzworthy that comes out of it. Um, and they and, and you know they have their spots that they like to do match to match. But um, Rolling Stone had a really interesting profile on the Young Bucks a couple months back, where they had a camera crew follow them around mm-hmm. for a Ring of Honor show where they were taking on Lij. Mm-hmm. And just to see them backstage, oh, their opponents, man. And, and 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 lay out the spots in the match, yeah, and how creative they are with yeah. with how they set up their matches. It's it's especially after how long they've been doing it, finding new ways to incorporate the spots they've probably been doing for a dozen years, yeah, or how long they've been wrestling, yeah, um, into matches still yeah. is really impressive. Yeah, you see, yeah, it was that was my favorite part about that. You see, it, I I like when it showed them in there with uh, was it uh, uh, Chuck Taylor and was it Trent? Yeah, okay. But then you, you see them, like you said, backstage with with Oh, LIJ. they intercut it. They, they intercut the, the, them talking about the spot. Yeah. They cut to the spot. Yeah. yeah. But they also, when they were talking to LIJ, it was obviously there's, you know, a bit of a language barrier there to get through. And to see them, like, communicating in this, you know, the universal language of wrestling, it was fantastic. It was yeah. it's so fascinating. And you bring up the Rolling Stone thing, and that brings up another point about the Young Bucks, is that the media, the sports media seems to be fascinated with them. You yeah. see so many articles from legitimate publications, Sports Illustrated, yeah. Forbes, uh, like you Stone, said, Rolling yeah. Stone, all sorts of publications doing these high-quality pieces about the Young Bucks and the phenomenon that they are bringing to, to the indie version of pro wrestling, to the, I'll say the non-WWE world yes. of pro wrestling. Yes. Um, and it does wonders, absolute wonders for the industry in general. Perhaps more than any wrestler I can think of in the last few years, um, developing a brand on the independence oh, and parlaying yeah. that to massive success. Yeah. The Young Bucks were one of the people... Oh man! Two of the people at the fore of that, yeah. developing their brand yeah. independent circuit, developing a huge following, mm. going to pro wrestling tees and yeah. being their top merch seller. Yeah. Well, and that and that's the thing too is that they're they're, and granted, not everybody can be the young bucks. Very oh, few yeah. people can yeah. be the young bucks, but you know you don't have to be the young bucks to if you're a wrestler to understand that there are more ways to generate revenue in the business beyond just your payout for the match. Pro wrestling tees. They've got their being the elite video series, which is now you know every upload does over 150 thousand. Yeah, and they are absolutely entertaining. And these guys are doing this just on the road, like they filmed this stuff with their iPhone. Yeah, and there was one one of the episodes uh, showed uh, Nick as the younger one, right? Yeah, yeah. Nick, they got him a new like MacBook Pro so he can edit it properly, and I think he was editing it like on you know iMovie on the phone or oh my something. Goodness. Which is if you've ever tried it, it's it's not difficult, but it's laborious. Yes, you know, and so, uh, so it's just it's it's an from a business standpoint, it's it's illustrating what you can do as an independent contractor in the wrestling world. Yep, it's absolutely fascinating. And not and to not need the WWE at all. Right, exactly. Number six, six Neville. Whoa, talk about a revelation! I just realized we have a box over there. We haven't opened. Oh, okay. Talk about a revelation! This. Neville Guy, who we've seen for years now from NXT up to, uh, you know, Maine is the sort of high-flying man that, gra- that gravity forgot. 
Um, he broke his ankle in a match against Chris Jericho, came back, and reinvented himself as yeah. the king of the cruiserweights. And just... And he's, as you said, it has been an absolute revelation. The most magnetic heel personality in the WWE today. Bar, yes. yeah, I mean, bar none, seriously. Like, I mean, I love Kevin Owens, fantastic heel, but Neville has simply reinvented his character into this precisely thought-out, maniacal, villainous, like, he drops these promos that are great. He adapted his in-ring style to fit his new character. He yeah. didn't rely so much on the high-risk, high-flying stuff. Still does a little bit of it. Yeah. But he overpowers his performance yeah. now. And he still puts on really, really, really good matches. And he has cleared out. He has essentially cleared out 205 Live. Now they have him potentially getting into something with, with Enzo. I really, really hope they squash Enzo. Yeah, I hope so, too. I have a feeling they're not going to. But... um. Neville is absolutely on the... I never would have thought, and I've mentioned this before, that if you put Neville on a program with Austin Aries, Neville would be out-promoing Austin Aries. I know. Just never saw it happen. We never got uh, a hint that he had promo abilities like that. Definitely not on the main roster prior to his heel turn. Yeah. And I don't remember him doing a whole lot of talking in NXT either. Right, yeah. But it's just, it seemed like one of those situations where someone finds the character, mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's for whatever reason, it just resonates with them. Yeah. And it just comes so naturally. Yeah. Because at no point do you ever feel like he's forcing anything. Right. Everything seems so genuine. And even stays in character when he's on Up, Up, Down, Down. Oh, and that's, you know, there's, there's been a lot of discussion, especially this past year, about... You know, the state of kayfabe, if you will. People posting vac- uh, pictures on the tour. You know, Braun and Roman hanging out arm in arm, hand in hand. Uh, and, you know, pictures posted and taken down. Oh, breaking kayfabe. But Neville is one of those guys. And and honestly, like, you and I are both pretty much of the opinion, oh, they're performers, you know. Let them yeah. have a life outside. Yes. But with Neville, I don't know. Like, it would. I've said this. It would kind of bum me out a little bit if I saw him clown around, joking around like he's, you know... Well, he does joke around because he, he's, he, he manages to be funny, yeah, but still be in character. Right, exactly, yeah. It's a, like every time you see him in like a still, he's always... Yeah. He's always... Just, especially around a span of time when he didn't have the Cruiserweight yeah, title. Yeah. Oh, that was fantastic. Well, that, uh, that uh, Rocket League yeah. ad that he's in, I mean, he's in Neville character the whole time. Yeah. But he's still funny. Yeah. He's still engaging. He's yeah, still exactly. entertaining. Yeah. It's so great. It's so great. Uh, number five. Five. Tetsuya Naito. Top star in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's like the coolest guy. Well, should his name be cool then instead of Finn Balor? Should what they have a match to determine who's coolest? What is the Japanese term for cool? I don't know. You know who he, what he is? He's Tranquilo. He is Tranquilo. <laughs> Anyways, of course, he is the leader of LIJ. When we first started watching New Japan this past uh, January at Wrestle Kingdom, um, we immediately tuned into this guy and was like, whoa. And then we checked out his match against Kenny Omega last year. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Phenomenal match of the year last year. Yeah, absolutely. And then he put on another uh, spectacular match or series of spectacular matches this year Mm -hmm. during the G1, culminating in his win over Kenny Omega to claim. In a who-can-break-his-neck first match. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, But he had a really good match against Kota Ibushi, which Mm -hmm. featured our potential spot of the year, (laughs) second-row pile driver. (laughs) That's right. Uh, He had a fantastic match against Ishii in the G1 special in USA uh, that we got to see live. Yes. Um, So that was a lot of fun. In terms of character work, I don't know if anybody 
at least in New Japan, maybe, is better. Yeah, yeah, I His agree. character is so well-defined, yeah. and he does so much by doing so little. When it's, when, when somebody, so I, he doesn't, you know, none of, it's New Japan. They're in Japan, they speak Japanese. Um, you don't need to know what he's saying. You don't have to know what he's saying to understand exactly who he is. Mm-hmm. In New Japan, they tell their stories, they develop their characters through their in-ring work, which is a revelation. Um, and then you've got, you know, the details are in, you know, the packaging. LIJ is like the coolest faction around. I mean, it's either them or Bullet Club. And uh, and Naito is sort of the, the head of that. Everything you need to know about Naito, at least most of this past year, was how he treated the Intercontinental title. Yes. That's Naito. Yeah, exactly. You see gif after gif on Twitter of him just destroying the, the title. trying to pay for a meal. That was my favorite. Is that picture of him? Because that look on his face. He's holding the title. He's holding his hat in one. He's all <laughs> trying to pay for a meal, a, a crap meal with his IC title. Because there's too many belts in New Japan, he says. Yep. That's fantastic. That's absolutely great. But also, like, you know, going back, and this is long-term storytelling in New Japan. My understanding, from what I read up on, is when he won the G1 the first time in 2013, I think it was, um, he was supposed to headline Wrestle Kingdom mm-hmm. the following January yeah. against Okada. Okada, yeah. Um, they had a, a segment, wasn't re- well received, so they put the main event spot up to a vote. Right. Fans wanted uh, Nakamura versus Tanahashi in the main event for the, the inter- title, Intercontinental yeah. title. Yeah. So he might just hold a grudge against that belt because it took his main event spot. Right, right. And that might play into why he treated the belt so poorly. Yeah. Yeah. That's long term booking. That's the storyline that spans three plus years. No. It's great. It's great impressive. Stuff. Number four. Or Asuka. Yeah. Asuka. I mean, she hasn't lost. I mean, okay, here's the thing. Kayfabe wise, she wins everything. Yeah. I mean, she literally they have referenced Goldberg when talking about her streak. That is and then they just said she beat the somebody Robin? Rock and Robin. Rock and Robin. For the longest uh women's title reign in the last thirty 40 years. I mean, Fabulous Moolah just owned her own title. Yeah. And so she just held on to her for like 10 years. That's kind of a ridiculous streak. You can't really beat that yeah. streak. Yeah. And there's Bruno's, but that's just way too long. Um, so uh, so there's that, A. Uh, and so her entire run has just basically been, who's going to beat Asuka? And the answer is nobody. Nobody beat Asuka. That was the end of her story in NXT. What a fantastic story that was. Um, and every single match, I mean, so many of her matches have been absolutely compelling. She had two uh, really good matches against Bailey last year. Mm-hmm. Um, she's had two really good matches against Ember Moon this year. Yes. Um, and she had a really good match against Nikki Cross also mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, she always delivers in the ring. I feel like she's, she's such put an on, engaging presence and personality. She's put on the best matches on NXT TV itself, I feel. Um, like you said, yeah, totally engaging personality. Like, when she comes out, she has that cool mask. She has that now iconic theme music of hers. She does a little dancing around stuff. She's just the most eccentric, interesting thing you see in the ring whenever she's on TV, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, her promos, when she starts just shouting... In Japanese, it's, oh, it's fantastic. Great. When it's she goes great. up to Regal and says, I want to fight them, and he says, who? And he, she says, all of them. No, she yells. Yeah, she yells, all of them. It's absolutely fantastic stuff. So she has being good, she has impact, and she has kayfabe. Yes. <laughs> all of them. She satisfies all criteria. All criteria. 
Number three. Three. AJ Styles. The face that runs the place. Yep. The champ that runs the camp. And he has held down SmackDown. Granted, John Cena is a ratings pop. However, the foundation of SmackDown is AJ Styles. He's been holding so. it down. The, the people love him. Just this past year, he's held the WWE title and mm-hmm. the U.S. title. Yeah, and he's just like Cena before him. He has turned the United States title into the Open Challenge title, which is something we've always wanted and, and, and loved. Yes. Um, and so far, uh, it's it's made things more interesting whenever yes. he's out. It's yes. interesting stuff. Um, just this past year, uh, if we go back to, say, SummerSlam, his mm-hmm. match against Cena, oh, yeah. spectacular Absolutely. last year. Yeah. Um, they had a rematch at Royal Rumble, also really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, he managed to get a really good match out of Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. Yeah, we thought it was going to be a stinker. Yeah. Because Shane, you know, hadn't wrestled in ages. Yeah, a real match. Oh. I mean, his match against The Undertaker. Right. And the previous granted, year, WrestleMania doesn't really count. It just goes to show that you can, AJ Styles can carry a match, can carry anything or anybody to a fantastic match. Yes. Uh, it was wildly entertaining. Um, and, uh, yeah, tons of fun. Yes. Um, AJ Styles, I mean, he's he's the best. Well, he's... Third best. He's the best. I would w- mean he's the best in WWE. Three and two are kind of tied. There's one little thing that might push two slightly ahead. Oh, interesting. All right, let's get to it. Number two. Two. Kenny Omega. I mean, he's been involved in potentially the three greatest matches of all time just this past year. Uh, yeah. Um, also, so is number one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> number one has also done more than just that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But so is Kenny. Um, uh, yeah, his his trilogy against Okada, mm-hmm. as I said, the, uh, regarded potentially at least by Dave Meltzer seems to be three of the greatest matches of all time, if not one, two, or three of the greatest matches of all time. <laughs> yeah. um, but also Omega, as leader of Bullet Club, mm-hmm. has spearheaded their their mainstream crossover. They're, yeah, not not just. Not everything just. did a kickstart with his match against Okada at Wrestle Kingdom beginning yeah. of this year. Yeah. And, even, and while he took that break, he great, uh, generated so much buzz about himself. Because mm-hmm. um, at the time of Wrestle Kingdom last year, it kind of felt like Bullet Club were... Well, yeah, you had Cody... Kind of you overstaying had, their welcome almost. You had Cody Rhodes making his Bullet Club debut... And he wasn't even wearing Bullet Club like merchandise. I think he had like the logo small on his on his boots. Nobody was coming out with him. You know, the New Japan had been raided, so AJ was gone. Like Nakamura wasn't Bullet Club, but he was gone. Uh, Gallows and Anderson, yeah. all the staples were gone. Kenny and the Young Bucks seem more focused on the elite. Yeah, they were wearing, they were wearing elite logos. Um, so it maybe. kind of felt like okay, maybe the popularity of Bullet Club is on the wane. Um, but upon his return, for whatever reason. Uh, New Japan is, is is securing really good licensing deals, yeah. having their merch in Hot Topic, mm-hmm. and is selling like hotcakes. Yeah. And Kenny is the leader of the Bullet Club. He Some of the credit has to be given to him for oh, that. For sure, absolutely. Not only resurgence of Bullet Club, but their mainstream crossover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have, well, you have things like you have the, the feud that he was getting into that he was teasing with Adam Cole, which seemed to have uh, sort of leaped over to Cody mm-hmm. once Adam Cole left. Um, and so you've had that intrigue. You've had things like, you know... The Kamatanga calling him out during the G1. Right, exactly. So there's all sorts of intrigue going on, but they always come back together. You had the Bullet Club. Uh, speaking of the G1 in USA, you had Bullet Club at the end, you know, with their big show of strength. And I just think that New Japan understands uh, that if any merchandise, if any crossover, if anybody's going to have crossover pills, it's going to be in the U.S., it's going to be Bullet Club, obviously, because the entire point of Bullet Club is a bunch of foreigners, 
you know, non-Japanese wrestlers coming into coming into New Japan and making their own mark, and they understand that that's you know that's the crossover appeal, right? Yeah. Um, but like you said, that couldn't have happened without the leader of Bullet Club, mm-hmm. uh, you know, buying into that. But also generating so much buzz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, uh, because after his match against Okada at Wrestle Kingdom, there's a bunch of articles about him. He's getting some pretty significant press. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he came back. Huge story. Coming back to New Japan after uh, a lot of people thought he was going to make the jump to WWE. Yeah. His stock probably w- w- it will never be higher as it was after that Wrestle Kingdom match. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he came back, and then we all thought he's going to win the New Japan Cup. So we yeah. can step the rematch with Okada right away. No, he lost first round to Ishii. Mm-hmm. In a great match. Yeah. And that kicked off a story between the two of them that culminated at the G1 special in USA mm-hmm. when Omega claimed the new, the, sorry, the IWGP United States championship for himself by defeating Ishii mm-hmm. in a great match. Yeah. Omega, Kenny Omega just has great matches. Yeah, he Whether he's in a six-man tag match wearing his, his house show tights mm-hmm. and a t-shirt, yeah. he will still have a fun yeah. match. He can, and that's the thing about Kenny, too, is that not only can he do... The like the best series dramatic matches he can put on like comedic classics with Yano um, yep. that are absolutely fantastic or the, uh, the sixth man tag match I think at the second night of Honor Rising yeah okay that was so much fun yeah yeah anyways Kenny Omega he's the best well except for number one one Kazuchika Okada yeah it's Okada Okada's the best PWI 500 got it right this year Okada is absolutely the best um, listen this guy has like you said earlier, put on three of the best matches, not just this year, but potentially of all time. And uh, when he's not fighting Kenny Omega, he's been putting on classic matches against guys like Minoru Suzuki, yeah. uh, against uh, Shibata, the Bad Luck Fale, <laughs> Tiger Mask W, Kota Ibushi. Yeah. And then uh, we always leave something out. Yeah, who did he face? First it was Suzuki. Cody at uh, yeah, was a good match. in USA. That was a good match. He brought Cody Rhodes to a great match. Yeah. But he puts on amazing matches time and time again. He is the most legitimate world champion in professional wrestling right now. And when I say legitimate, I mean being good, impact, kayfabe. Yeah. Um, I mean, Brock Lesnar is like legitimate because he's a legit MMA fighter. Yeah. But in terms of professional wrestling... Nobody is more legitimate as a professional wrestling world champion than Okada. And his story of this past year of withstanding Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom and then Minoru Suzuki destroying his knee or, you know, taking advantage of his bum knee and then just going to town on it. And then Shibata freaking headbutting him. Nearly beating him to a pulp. Exactly. Withstanding that. Withstanding Kenny for an hour. For an hour. For a draw. Exactly. Um, withstanding Fallet. Mm-hmm. Um, Tiger Mask W. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, another nearly half-hour match against Omega in the G1 semifinals. Mm-hmm. Cody at G1 in the USA. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what a world champion is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just, hey, let's fight this guy and then, oh, let's let's do it again in a Punjabi prison match. And it, it's, you know, and every time, every time it's like, could he actually lose this? Could he actually lose this? I know, and that's, that's, that's the power of their stories they're telling over there in New Japan is is I mean, the story of Okada, how he will eventually lose that title. Mm-hmm. It's because he has just been beat up. Yep. 
so much over the span of his, I think what will end up being when he eventually probably lose. We all assume he's going to lose the night to a wrestling kingdom. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be around 500 days he's hold that belt, maybe yeah. longer than that. Yeah. And just the the punishment he has taken over that 500 days was just. And they, they, I think they kind of tease it during the last Omega match where Omega saw the tape on his neck yeah. and says, That's my target. Yeah. And went after it. And went after it. And went after mm-hmm. it. And went after it. Went after it. Slapping away at it. Yeah. And eventually won. Naito's going to take notes of all the punishment that. It'd be cool if their wrestling team match. It was is, is is Naito going through a checklist of all the body parts that yeah. Okada's hurt throughout yeah, the year yeah. and just attacking them like chronologically. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would be fascinating. Yeah, it'd be to great. culminate an entire year's worth of storytelling for Okada in that respect. Yeah, and he'll deliver. It'll be cool. great. Yeah. I, Okada might be the best seller in wrestling. He's so good at selling. I know you hurt when you watch one of his matches. Yes. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, PWI, they got it right. We got it right. Okada, best wrestler on the planet right now. Right now, yep. Yeah. So, anyways, that's it. Let us know what you guys think in the comments. I know you guys probably have a lot of heated discussion about yes. who we might have left off this list. Anyways, that's I, it. I, want, I really want Ricochet to be on here. I love Ricochet. I love Ricochet, too. He's not a top ten guy. Samoa Joe. Love him, too. Not a top ten guy. This is our top ten. This is our top ten. Yeah. Till next time, top guys. Later. Bye. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.